0: A little girl stood near a small church from which she had been turned away because it was too crowded. I can't go to Sunday school, she sobbed to the pastor as he walked by. Seeing her shabby, unkempt appearance, the pastor guessed the reason, and taking her by the hand, he took her inside and found a place for her in the Sunday school class. The child was so happy that they took her inside and found a place for her in the Sunday school class. He, she was so happy they found room for her. And she went to bed that night thinking that the children uh, who didn't have a place to worship Jesus should have a place. Some two years later, this child lay dead in one of the poor tenement buildings. Her parents called the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to handle the funeral arrangements. And as her poor little body was being moved, a worn and crumpled red purse was found, which seemed to have been rummaged from some trash heap. Inside was found 57 cents, and a note scribbled in childish handwriting which read, this is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved for this offering of love. When the pastor tearfully read the note, he instantly knew what he would do. Carrying this note and cracked Red pocketbook to the pulpit. He told the story of her unselfish love and devotion. He challenged his deacons to get busy and to raise enough money for the larger building. But the story didn't end there. A newspaper learned of the story and published it. It was read by a wealthy realtor who offered them a parcel of land worth many thousands of dollars. When told that the church couldn't pay so much, he offered to sell it to the little church for 57 cents. Church members made large donations. Checks came from far and wide. Within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000, a huge sum for that time near the turn which was near the turn of the century. Her unselfish love had paid large dividends. When you're in the city of Philadelphia, look up Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of 3,300 And be sure to visit Temple University, where thousands of students are educated. Have a look, too, at the Good Samaritan Hospital and a Sunday school building, which houses hundreds of beautiful children, built so no child in the area will ever need to be left outside during Sunday school time. In one of the rooms of this building may be seen the picture of the sweet face of the little girl whose 57 cents, so sacrificially saved, made such remarkable history. Alongside is a portrait of her kind pastor, Dr. Russell H. Conwell, author of the book, Acres of diamonds. This is a true story. And, uh, just wanted to share it with you this morning because it really underscores what I want to get across to you this morning. A message that just shouts at us from the book of Jonah. And, uh, that is people matter. And our actions our inactions, uh our good things that we do and the bad things we do, they all have a ripple effect in this world. Now the first thing that you might see is you the the, the high point, yes, the most important point is the little girl. But you know what? That pastor, he took her by the hand. He showed an act of kindness to that little girl, and that little pebble going into the pond is what started the ripple effect. His kindness affected that little girl, and then that little girl's concern and the action that she was trying to take continued can cause that ripple to grow and grow and grow. In the uh, the book of Jonah, when you start out, you see God approach Jonah. We talked last week about how Jonah means dove, and it was a, a nickname or a label that they put on people back then that were Bible scholars, that were uh, Bible bookworms, more or less, because when a an old Hebrew man was sitting there wearing his prayer shawl, and reading from the Torah, as he read to himself in his old and high-pitched voice, it would sound like a dove cooing. And so Jonah was a, was a student of the Bible, and one of the messages that comes through, if you study the Bible enough, God's going to speak to you. And then if you study a little bit more, you'll see you may not like what he has to say. But the thing, those are just some of the things that come from his name and what we see happening there. But, uh, the thing is, some people love to study the Bible. But to them, it's all, uh, like principles and, uh, theory and whenever they say believe in God, it's like it's some sort of a theory that you can believe in. It's not talking about the person of God the Father, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you see, God comes to Jonah because Jonah matters. Jonah This guy in this little insignificant place, he mattered to God. And there were other people that mattered to God. And so at the beginning, we see God talking to Jonah because Jonah matters. He created Jonah to matter in this world. And there were other people that were created by him that mattered to him. And at the end of the story, as we look and we see, it's like God has sat down by a pouty Jonah, just like a good father would sit down with a four-year-old child that didn't like the way things were coming out and needed some understanding. And it's like he's saying, Jonah, you matter to me. I love you, Jonah. I don't like the way you act sometimes, but I love you. You matter to me. But these Ninevites, they matter to me too. And what he's trying to say is that people matter. And if you love God, you're going to have to love people that may even seem unlovable to you. Now then, you see all sorts of people that Jonah affected. And this is one of the things that I noticed was that as Jonah, even as he's running from God and he's on this ship and uh, there's all this turmoil and the storm comes up, the thing is is that God loved those sailors. And he used even Jonah's disobedience to get their attention, and to bring them to the one true God. Jonah, even in his disobedience, made good ripples through the world because those sailors were from different ports, different places, and they would go back home, and they had a testimony. We discovered that there's really only one God. And we've seen his power and his might. And so they would have wound up, uh, embracing the one true God. Their family would have done that. And then how many ripples in waters would, uh, would, would be coming from that? So, uh, but anyway, and, and Jesus, whenever he was given the Sermon on the Mount, the lost coin, the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost son, they're all trying to get across to us that people matter. Even people that have messed up matter. And one of the things, that, just like I said last week, that brings us to you. You matter to God. The cross makes that clear if you ever wondered if God cared for you, just look at the cross. You matter to God. He wouldn't have gone to that trouble if that wasn't the case. You matter to God, and you also matter to the world. So many people, they have the attitude, it's my life, and I can just live it the way that I want to. Now, my wake up call, I can, you know, I can live as I please. I used to have that attitude. And then something happened and I realized that I needed to be concerned about other people as well as myself. It happened. I've shared part of this story with you when I was uh, I was talking with uh, with Wanda earlier today about I loved investigating claims. And uh, there was one that was very suspicious something was wrong and i was trying to find a witness that could tell me why this woman's injuries were so out of uh proportion to the little bump that this little old couple had given to this car and so i found there was a passenger in this car and uh and I could talk to her, the, the other woman, the woman that had been injured and taken to the hospital. Uh, she had an attorney and was suing a little old couple that just barely bumped this car and she rolled out just bleeding and covered with bruises and stuff, you know? So it was just something wasn't right, but I could talk to this witness. And so I went looking for this witness and I wound up in one of the baddest and worst parts of Baytown, Texas. And uh, I uh, was uh, uh, looking, I'd, I'd found the, uh, an address for this woman with a police report. And I went there and that was her mother's address. And she said, no, she doesn't live here with me anymore. She's moved out. But she works just right around there on the front. And so, what's where, where, what's the front? So there's stores around there, you know. So, anyway, there's dirt roads in this part. And it was right by a railroad track, and the front was a a, a place just right there, but with little uh, wooden storefronts. And so, I hopped in my car and I just started around. And then there were these two guys that were high as a kite on something wrestling in the middle of the road. and just, just, uh, they were just, it was crazy. But one of them stopped me, just put up his hand and kind of staggered and stopped me. And he walked over to the side of my brand new company car that still had the sticker on it and said, what are you doing here? And, uh, I told him, I said, well, um, I understand that so-and-so works around but Before that, he said, you selling cars? I've been looking for a new car. And uh, he was watching my feet. I had one foot on the gas pedal and the other on the brake, and it was in drive. I was ready to leave at a moment's notice. So anyway, but he was really liking my car. I liked that car too. But anyway, that's another story. But anyway, it was a great car. I can see where he'd want it, but it looked like he wanted to take it. So anyway, but when I said, I'm looking for this woman, uh, her name is so-and-so. He said, "Oh, huh, 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 huh. are you looking for her? You just wait right here. I'll go and get her for you." And then he staggered off. And I thought he's probably gone to go get a shotgun. I better just get out of here. So I just left and went around the corner, and there I see this lady. Oh no, not a lady. I see a, an old man. Come out of this place could barely walk himself, and I thought, well, he didn't look like, like he could hurt me, so I hopped out of my car and I said, "Sorry, sir, could you tell me where so and so?" So yeah, she works right in here. So I just stepped on through the door, and I stepped into a place like I had never been before. Sometimes not thinking, you can wind up in bad places. I'd never been to a place that actually had a bed in the foyer kind of the office i mean it was and there anyway to make a long story short i had just walked right into a house of prostitution and uh there sitting on the wall was one of the largest men you ever saw he was sitting on a wooden bench because he was too big to fit in a chair and he was huge. He was wearing a white T-shirt. It looked like a sail there on the wall. Huge guy. And standing by him was a guy that standing up was the same height as the guy that was sitting down. And he had on the superfly hat. Uh, I mean, he was obvious. He had the bulge under his arm. I mean, it was obvious he was a pimp. And so I'm there, and then I remembered I left my keys in my car. <laughs> There's two guys around the corner that want my car uh, and so you, you you can think two different ways at the same time, and so I mean, you could be thinking one thing in the back of your head, he's after my car and at the same time, I don't want to make any sudden moves because these guys might they make his gun and shoot me dude. I don't want so anyway, I just uh, uh kept talking to her. And bef- the lady was so nice and she asked if any of the other girls could help me. And I said, oh, no, I'm really looking for this young lady. Said, OK, well, she's lived with her boyfriend now. Here's her name and phone number. And oh, here here's her. Ha- here's her address. I thanked her profusely and left. As I got in the car and headed away, it dawned on me if they had killed me in that place and robbed me and threw my body out back, everyone would have decided that I was there on their business, not mine. My wife would have been in disgrace. My children would have been living in disgrace. And I realized at that point, part of my faith journey was that I wasn't just my own. I needed to be more careful. Up to that point, I would really embraced danger. But all of a sudden, I realized I needed to take care of myself, not for me, but for those people that depended on me and whose reputation, my mom, my dad, so many people that were connected to me. The names of my grandparents and their heritage was all affected. And if I had not gotten out of there, they would have all been disgraced. I went and I went ahead and took her statement by telephone on a recording from my office. And uh, sure enough, she had been beaten up before they ever got in the car. So that's the end of that story. But the thing is, I began to see that I wasn't just my own, that God had created us. I've now discovered to where we make a difference in this world, whether you believe it or not. You make a difference either for good or for ill, for one or the other. God created you to matter and to make a difference. You know, uh, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, that we watch, Sharon and I watch it every Christmas, shows what it's like whenever this guy just says, I wish I'd never been born. And he lets him see what the world would have been like without him. And it was so much a worse place without him. And that's the way it is with you. That's the way it is with you. When I met the Lord, one of the things that I realized was that my past was filled with times when I had in my self-centeredness and my deceitfulness hurt other people. And I realized I could not undo any of the actions, words, thoughts, attitudes that I had had or done back then. And I damaged people's faith. And a whole lot more. I was actually, it, really, it was really crushing to me to see how my self-centered uh, life had had a ripple effect throughout the world. And I realized, I wish I could take it back, but I could not. But when the Lord came to me, he made it clear I could start over with him. And instead of putting out ripples of pain and uh, distrust, that I could start putting out a different sort of ripple in my life. Yeah, he created us to make ripples. And he intended for those ripples to be good ripples. Jesus couldn't erase my past But he could forgive me and give me the opportunity to start over living a different kind of life. And you know what? He'll do the same for each one of you. I ran across this poem that pretty well covers all of this. It's called Drop a Pebble in the Water by James W. Foley. Drop a pebble in the water, just a splash, and it is gone. But there's half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on, spreading spreading from the center, flowing on out to the sea. And there is no way of telling where the end is going to be. Drop a pebble in the water. In a minute, you forget. But there's little waves of flowing. And there's ripples circling yet. And those little waves of flowing to a great big wave have grown. You've disturbed a mighty river by just dropping in a stone. Drop an unkind word or careless. In a minute, it is gone. But there's half a hundred ripples circling circling on and on and on. They keep spreading, spreading, spreading from the sitter as they go, and there is no way to stop them once you started them to flow. Drop an unkind word or careless, in a minute you forget, but there's little waves of flowing, and there's ripples circling yet. And perhaps in some sad heart A mighty wave of tears you've stirred and disturbed a life was happy for you dropped that unkind word. Drop a word of cheer and kindness, just a flash, and it is gone. But there's a half a hundred ripples circling on and on and on bearing hope and joy and comfort on each splashing dashing wave till you wouldn't believe the volume of one kind word you gave drop a word of cheer and kindness in a minute you forget but there's gladness in a swell and still a swelling and there's joy a circling yet And you've rolled a wave of comfort whose sweet music can be heard over miles and miles of water just by dropping one kind word. Thanks be to God that he set me free from my past so I could start causing good ripples instead of bad from that moment on. It's the same with you. Mother Teresa said it well when she said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. You matter. Your words matter. And it's incredible how they can spread uh, I accidentally uh, discovered this on a, I was on a band trip back in probably junior high school. We were on our way back from Dayton, Texas to Cleveland, Texas after a ball game, I think it was. And we started singing that song, Good Old Mountain Dew. If you've ever sung that, heard of that song, hold your hands up. Let me see. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, well, it's a song that uh, we sang all the verses, and I made up a verse. And that's, let's see if I can remember it. Let's see. My cousin rose, she got locked up and froze in the ice house when it was new. But they thawed her out with ease, and she didn't even sneeze with that good old mountain dew. That was the verse that I made up. And I went looking. But the thing is, a long time after that, I was walking through uh, the house and a show like Hootenanny or or Hee Haw or something like that was on. And I think it was the Giesenslaw brothers were there singing and uh, they were singing Mountain Dew. And so I stopped and uh, it was all I could do, not sing along with them. But then, lo and behold, the last verse that they sang was that verse that I myself made up between Dayton, Texas and Cleveland, Texas. I never shared it with anyone after that. Somebody remembered that verse and shared it with somebody else or they sang it in another circumstance and it went on to where it went all the way from cleveland texas to new dime box texas that's where the gays brothers are from and from new dime box it went on national television all over the united states just a little junior high kid made up a verse and it winds up on national TV. Words spread like that. All this stuff spreads like that. We don't know who we're affecting or how we're affecting them. Your actions matter in one way or another. Um, not long ago, it's been about a year ago now, uh, I, Sharon and I like to, uh, when we're in line at drive throughs we like to pay for the meal of the people behind us just, just to bless them. And so I pulled up and uh, I, uh, I paid for my meal. I said, now, can I pay for the people behind me? Now, the people behind me, they were scary looking people. I've got to tell you, I mean, it looked like there was uh, two guys and a woman. The woman looked like she was probably a WWE champion wrestler. Uh, and the guys, the four guys in the car looked like they could have been MMA stars, bodyguards. I mean, they were tough looking guys and they had rough looking looks on their faces, too. But I just wanted to bless them. So I said, can I? It? And the girl said, why do you want to do that? I said, I just want to bless them. She said, "Okay." So she rang it up and she gave me their ticket. And so I went on home and uh, told I always report in when I do that, let Sharon know where my money went or our money went. And uh, uh, so uh, the thing is, is that we sat down to eat and uh, there was something... And I said, it looks like they gave us a sample of these little cinnamon, Cinnabon, little cinnamony dessert things. That was nice of them. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I looked at the other ticket, the one I'd paid for. The lady had given me those people behind me's order. And I what happened after that i i I, want to know but i don't want to know because i don't know what happened but i was trying to do a good thing these people could have been very offended they said yeah that guy up there he paid for your meal and ran off with it you know i mean uh the thing is what do you think what are the repercussions from that i'll never know but uh I didn't go back. But anyway, well, just uh, I don't think I ever saw that young lady there again. Something I don't know what happened. But you see, even when we're not even thinking and we're trying to do something good, we have repercussions, and we just don't know what's going to happen. Your thoughts matter. Actions matter. Words matter. Your thoughts matter. You some people ought to just have, they may as well just have one of those little bubbles, like in comic strips, those bubbles over their head with little dots going up to it with whatever they're thinking in that box, because their face just, it's right there out in front of them, right? Okay, so, uh, but anyway, so you know, the thing is that a look can come from a thought, And the thing is, your expressions matter. You see, and uh, there are some people. It's whatever pops into their head just rolls out of their mouth, doesn't it? You know, and so your thoughts matter in that way that it can change the expression on your face. It can cause what you to say, and your thoughts materializing either on your face or through your words can have a ripple effect for good or for ill. A kind expression, a good smile, an approval, that makes all the difference in the world. A look of consternation or disdain has an effect on people. So your thoughts matter, your expressions matter, your decisions matter. Uh, your choices matter. Sharon and I, many years ago, were sitting in Sizzler Steakhouse with a a couple that were friends of ours, and uh, we were sitting there, and uh, I don't know if y'all even remember Sizzler, but it was a good place. I I, I miss Sizzler. But anyway, I was talking, and I just stuck uh, a uh, little cherry tomato in my mouth, and all of a sudden, I felt my lips vibrate and I could see a stream of seeds going out of my mouth and they arched over the seat behind you know, on the other side. And there was a lady sitting there and she was dressed to the nines. She was. She had a. She was really gussied up. They were going to the opera or to a, a ball or some big major thing, and I had just sprayed this the back of this lady's nice expensive hairdo with little bitty tomato seeds. So what do you do? Well, we had a meeting there at the table, you know, just, uh, okay. If we tell her, she's going to be mortified. She's going to go home. She's going to, uh, who, what's going to happen? You know, she's, we're going to ruin her evening. They're hardly noticeable. (laughs) If we don't tell her anything, she'll probably go on to the ball or whatever it is to the opera or whatever. And, uh, not even know ever what happened and enjoy herself that night. So we decided that I, we wouldn't tell her what I had done, that I had, that I spat tomato seeds in her hair. So uh, we just let her go. And I'm sure that either later she either brushed her hair and wondered where the tomato seeds came from or uh, whatever. But the thing is, Hopefully we made a decision that had a good effect on that lady's life because we could have ruined a really special night for her, had we told. But decisions matter and they have ripple effects. God has made us so that we count whether we like it or not. And as you've seen from some of the dumb illustrations of my own life, even if we're even thinking about it or not. We make a difference. John Ruskin, the English art critic and social reformer, loved to tell the tale of the lamplighter. As a boy, Ruskin would often look out from his bedroom window to watch the street lamps being lit around the town. The lamplighter would carry... His lighted lamp on top of a special pole and would move from one lamp post to the next throughout the town. As darkness began to fall, Ruskin would lose sight of the lamplighter, but he could always tell where he was and where he had been because of the trail of bright lights. That were left behind him. Jesus has told us. Us people. Whom were created. To make a difference in this world. You. Are the light. Of the world. Don't put your lamp. Under a bowl. Instead. Let your light shine.